What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host. And we have a very special guest with us today. She is the founder and managing partner of Working Simply, a productivity and training firm that served a fast-growing list of clients, including Delta Airline, FedEx, Wells Fargo, Chick-fil-A, and a bunch more. Welcome, Carson Tate. Thank you, Steve. I'm so glad to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you bet. And we've had fun visiting already, and now I'm really looking forward to getting into this. And I'd like to tell you just a little bit more about Carson before we get fully into the show. She's known for igniting personal transformation through her simple, powerful, and actionable strategies and tools. She wants people to work smarter, not harder. And Carson is on a mission to debunk the time management myths that keep us trapped or overwhelmed and to help us personalize our productivity so we can work simply and live fully. Now, prior to starting working simply, she worked in human resources and sales functions with Fortune 200 firms. She holds a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in organizational development. She has advanced coaching certificates. I mean to tell you, Carson is all over it. So, Carson, just to get us going, tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you and maybe that's even led you to do doing what you're doing today. Absolutely. Well, you've got the professional bio, so I will tell you the personal story, (laughs) kind of of my why. So it was December 26th, the day after Christmas, and we had a light bulb that had burned out on our Christmas tree. And I had the dreaded task of having to figure out which bulb and replace it. (laughs) So I have my strand in the middle of the den floor laid out in front of me, and I quickly realized, oh, I don't have the replacement bulb. So I go to try to stand up, and I can't get off the floor. I'm completely exhausted, physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Even my spirit was tired. Hmm. Ten days before, we had celebrated my daughter's first birthday. And Steve, I had made this cake thing that was like a size of a castle. That's called working mom guilt. I now know what that's called. (laughs) And I looked at myself like, how did I get here? Well, six weeks after my daughter was born, I got on an airplane. I flew to Arizona and spent a week working with a financial services firm. The entire first year of her life, I followed that pattern. Hmm. On the road, driven by my ego, building the company, serving folks. And oh, by the way, I'm teaching and consulting on how to work simply. And my life is a mess. And so on that day after Christmas, my world came crashing down. And as I sat there on the floor, I realized two things. One, I didn't have any significant memories of my daughter's first year of life. 
because of the choices that I made and my ego made. And two, the way I was working was not working. I was going to have to make some hard choices and do some things differently. And that was the catalyst that really shifted my business and moved more into that purpose and why our work matters. I want you to be productive. I want you to drive revenue, but I also want you to have a robust, vibrant life. So it's moving from success to significance. Okay, what a great story. Oh my goodness, I'm sure our listeners, we can all relate to that. So thank you for sharing that and what's brought you to this point. Now, where were you raised? What's your background? Yeah, so I was born and raised in South Carolina, went to school in Virginia. And then now my family and I, there are two dogs, which Steve has already been introduced to. (laughs) Two dogs and my daughter, we live in North Carolina. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina now. Oh, great. Well, thanks for that background. And and we're so excited to hear about Working Simply, about your book that you've written. Tell us about your book. Yes. So I had this aha moment working with clients where the, quote, standard or best practices around productivity tools, this app, this methodology didn't work all the time. And so I had clients that were feeling like failures, like they couldn't get organized. Well, that wasn't the case. What I quickly realized This is not rocket science, but we don't all think and process information the same way. So in graduate school, I did research into cognitive thinking styles, which definitely informs how you set up and organize your workflow and developed an assessment. We call it the productivity style assessment. And my first book, Work Simply, is built off of that assessment. There's no one size fits all. So you take the assessment and then the assessment identifies one of four styles Once you know your style, then let's say you want to work on your email management, you'd flip to that chapter, give you some strategies based on how you think and how you work. So you build this custom, personalized productivity toolkit. Oh, that's terrific. I'm excited to learn more about that. So I know that you talk about four productivity styles in the book, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Do you mind talking about those a little bit? And then we can talk about applications in uh, in our life today. Absolutely. Sure. So there are four productivity styles and you can, we have an assessment on our website, workingsimply.com. So you can take it and figure out your style, but I'm going to describe them. And I bet your listener, Steve, can figure out which one they are. So there are four styles prioritizer, planner, arranger, and visualizer. So prioritizer, they're thinking analytical, linear, fact-based. They've never met a piece of data they didn't like. Very goal-oriented. They're very driven towards completing the goal. I always say that if you get on an elevator with a prioritizer and they need to go somewhere, they're going to close the door on you. It's not personal, but they have a goal. And they're going to drive towards that goal. They're succinct, direct, really to the point. And if you want to annoy them, you tell them that we need to do this project because you feel Ah. it's the right course of action. Ah. They're not much of the feeling folks. So that's your prioritizer, your planner. Your planner's thinking organized, sequential, detailed. These are the natural project planners. These are your folks that love a list. They've never met a list they didn't like. And in fact, they've been known to put something on their list that they've already done 
you know why, just so yep. they can cross it off. Oh, that feels right? so good. It <laughs> does feel so good. And that's it. For a planner, there's nothing better than a sense of completion. Strong action orientation, very detail-oriented. They're the ones on our teams that we want to make sure look at the documents before they go out to our customers because they will find the typos. Hmm. They set the agenda. They're very organized and on time. So our rangers, the third style, they're thinking these guys are more emotional, more relational. They're more kinesthetic. They do their best work with and through people. I always say that they're the ones that can walk into a room and they know what's not being said. That high emotional intelligence, excellent communicators, excellent teachers. They're also the ones on the team that have the nicest writing utensils. And they don't want you to take your, their pens. Don't take their pens. Don't take their colored markers because they like color and they're highly visual. And last but not least, we've got our visualizers. They are our big picture thinkers. They are the ones that can synthesize disparate ideas and data. They're my adrenaline junkies. They're always pushing what's next. Why not? They're the innovators. They see the future. Out of sight is out of mind. So all of those file folders and organizational tools do not work for our visualizers Visualizers, because they need to see it. They're the ones in a meeting that go off on the tangent. And they're all like off talking about some idea that appears crazy, but then they connect it back to the agenda item in a novel new way. They get a lot of work done quickly and they get bored very quickly. Oh, thanks for that overview. And I noticed the subtitle of your book is Bracing embracing the power of your productivity style. So what does that mean? So Steve, this is where part of the myth of around time management that I want to debunk is this one size fits all, that you have to do it this way or you have to use this app in order to be productive. And that's just not true. So the visualizer, their productivities, whiteboards, markers, not a lot of structure, that really optimizes their performance. But if you gave whiteboards and magic markers to our planners, you would completely derail their productivity. They need a sequential project plan. They like check marks and list. So there's no one size fits all. You've got to identify how you think and process and then use the strategies and tools that'll work for you. Okay. Well, that that is very interesting. So any particular recommendations for our listeners on best strategies? Yes. Yeah, so first, identify your style. So you've got those descriptions. You can always check out our productivity style assessment on our website. And so if we're thinking about productivity strategies, I'll give one for each one of the styles. Okay. So for our prioritizers, it's a strategy that we call protect your 90. Now, remember, the prioritizers are very goal-oriented and very data-oriented. And so what this is, is 90 minutes a day focused on your high-value strategic goals Now, if you focus for 90 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be 90 contiguous minutes, over a five-day work week, that's seven and a half hours. That's a significant amount of focused effort, and the prioritizers will get significant amounts of work done. My planners, I like to give them a list because remember, they're our organized sequential list makers. So their productivity tool is something we call a 15-minute list. And this is a list of tasks that can be completed in 15 minutes or less. Now, the magic in this list is they're simple, right? It's like call the vet, prep for a one-on-one. But what this list allows my planners to do 
is capitalize on those micro segments of their day. So the 10 minutes you're waiting for a conference call to start, or at some point we will all be waiting in our dentist office again. When you're waiting somewhere, you can pull out this list and actually get some work done. And a planner loves nothing more than getting work done. My ranger for them is around energy management. And so it's making sure that they're leaning in if they're a night owl or a morning person, but also making sure that they're well hydrated and fueled throughout the day. And since they're so emotional and so intuitive, having emotional reset tools, which movement, music, and humor are some of the best ones. So after they have a challenging conversation, they've got a set of tools that allows them to reset and get going again. And then for my visualizers, these are my adrenaline junkies. They get bored really fast. They're always pushing the envelope. So their productivity strategy is to oscillate between interesting or creative work and boring or uninspiring work. And so this is a little bit, Steve, like a carrot and a stick. So the work you love to do, then you do a little something you don't love to do. Work you love to do, then a little something you don't love to do. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Carson, in other words, really learning what your strengths are and what your natural flows are and kind of really organizing strategies to maximize your productivity around those. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And it would also be, Steve, which I know your listeners can do this. It's the courage to really own them, even though maybe you're office mate or your manager uses a different tool or strategy, but the confidence to say, you know what, this is the way I work best. Let my results speak for themselves. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, that's a whole nother level in itself, isn't it? Is knowing what, what style your management manager has or team members, right? Absolutely. So like you, you talk about this. We believe that the highest performing teams are diverse in every sense of the definition of diversity. Right. And so we add in one more, we call it work style diversity or productivity style diversity. So the highest performing teams have all four. And so um, knowing what your manager's style is important, so you can see how this falls out in the composition of the team, and you can know where there might be some predictable conflict between you and your manager. Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's just think about with all the changes that businesses and employees have had to face over the past few weeks or couple of months, it can be overwhelming for many people to really pivot from going to a job outside of their home, perhaps, every day to now working virtually. It'll be interesting to see what the new norm looks like, but we're having to learn new things. So how can we conquer that overwhelm of working and living in this ever-changing and complex coronavirus uh, world? It's hard. So in the first place, it's just a little grace and acknowledgement this is a big change. And then what my team and I've learned, my team and I've always worked virtually. Hmm. So I've always led a virtual team. And the team that I'm leading right now, we've been working virtually for 10 years. So we definitely know the roadblocks, pitfalls, as well as the things that really optimize performance. And so to work simply and live fully in this coronavirus world, there's a four-part framework that we've used internally on our team and we've talked to other virtual teams. It's go for an early win. So when we don't have the structure of a commute and going to an office, we've got to have an early win 
in our day to kind of get that mojo, get that motivation going. And it can be, Steve, a personal or a professional win. So if I'm coaching a prioritizer, I might tell them your early win is to beat your time. Get dressed faster today or process 10 emails faster today than you did yesterday. That (laughs) taps into their goal orientation. And I want that win really, really early. So get a win. Quick, quick win. The second one is some kind of plan or schedule or structure to the day. Now, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach here. We all have in our homes very different. We might have multiple generations. You've got grandchildren. I've got a daughter. We've got dogs. So first of all, we have grace around that we're all dealing with different constraints. And we also think differently. So my prioritizers and planners, their plan is going to be more calendar, more linear time blocks. Well, my arrangers and visualizers, too much structure, they're going to chafe against it and it's going to undermine their productivity. So I coach them to plan or structure their day in their virtual world more thematically. So Monday's theme might be admin and Thursday afternoon's day might be reading and prep for a podcast. So you got to get an early win and have some kind of plan or structure to your day then you got to execute. So Steve, I was a college athlete. I ran cross country and track. And I can tell you when I was fat and lazy in the summer, (laughs) it didn't go well. Uh, I learned that lesson very quickly. And uh, I I didn't want to have that conversation with my coach when I showed back up in September. And so it might be a cliche, but I really believe that what you do in the off season, that's where the champions are made. And so what we've been telling folks is this is a reset So we can think about this as a little bit of an off-season, but the third piece around working virtually is that execution, like that impact. You're showing up, you're leveraging your strengths, you're getting the work done. And any of those strategies that I gave at the beginning, all of those work in a virtual world. And then the fourth step is to celebrate, right? Because if you're used to being in the office where you can you know, get an affirmation from your boss or just, you know, smile or check in from a colleague. You're not getting that anymore. So we've got to create systems that allow us to reflect and acknowledge the impact that we made, what we accomplished, really important. So it's a four-part framework. Early win, plan or structure for your day, execute, 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 make an impact, and then don't forget to celebrate and reflect. Okay, great advice. I love that. That's uh, excellent. 10 years of of virtual working together. Yeah. Oh, that's a long time. So what are some of the best tips that you have of working together virtually? Things that really work, that are productive. Mm -hmm. This is a good four steps. I mean, I appreciate that. What are some things just you found that works uh, well in addition to this? Mm-hmm. So we've always been early adopters of technology, Steve, which is, is not new information for your listeners. However, we were playing with video technology a long time ago. So I have a requirement with my team and we train our clients as well. And I was so grateful that you jumped right in there on video too, <laughs> that we employ video technology so we can see each other. Okay. So that we can see those micro cues. The other thing that we do internally that works really well is we start all of our team meetings with a professional win, a personal win. And one thing that we're struggling with or one thing that 
is a challenge, and that can be either personal or professional to continue to build that community and that psychological safety. Okay, good thoughts. Oh, I love the idea on uh, the use of videos where you can see each other. It's such a such a different dimension, isn't it, than just the audio? It really is. And I, I can tell you I've caught things that it might have taken me longer to catch in terms of you know struggles with teams or clients just because I can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Working from home uh, really can be a minefield of distractions. <laughs> I mean, you, dogs, kids, you know, spouses, partners, things that break. <laughs> it goes. Uh, yes. And don't forget the fridge. Oh. Steve, maybe that's not your problem. Oh. That is my problem. <laughs> oh, food. Yeah, it's always there. It's calling your name. <laughs> oh, it is. And the chocolate. Anyway, we digress. But yes. <laughs> okay, but there's yeah all kinds of stuff going on. And so how can people navigate and manage these distractions and not feel that they're wasting hours each day? You've heard this. And it's worth repeating. The first one is some kind of office space. Okay. Three reasons. One, I need a transition. So I need a psychological and physical transition from maybe you're being mom, maybe you're granddad, maybe you're cooking to now it's time to work. So even if this is the edge of a countertop, it's that dedicated space that you transition into. And then it's also really important because this space can help provide a boundary And we use a system, we call it the stoplight system to help manage the distractions of everybody who's in the house. Hmm. And so it's a red colored post-it or dot, whatever, piece of construction paper, red, yellow, green. And if it's on red, don't interrupt. So this is a distraction mitigation. Don't interrupt. Yellow, proceed with caution. (laughs) And then green, it's okay. So that office space and managing with some colors and communication can help with all of the people that want to come and interrupt you. We also are big fans of headphones. We love them. We use them all the time. And we also use music. Okay. How do you use music? So music is used either to energize, to kind of get that that mojo going. And we also use it um, when, if I'm dropping into a writing sprint and I need to kind of turn down the noise in my head, If I have music in the background, it kind of gives my brain a little something to think about while I drop into writing. So it's a way when you want to self-interrupt and you have thoughts swirling, music can kind of calm that down so that you can focus. Because one of the other issues in working from home, maybe you experience this, is that you get bored. Yeah, you get kind Mm -hmm. of uninspired. Right. And so you'll self-interrupt. So you've got to have tools both for those external interruptions and those internal interruptions. Well, I love your recommendations here, particularly of really being mindful of your workspace and things that are there to, that help you be productive. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So just like anything else, I mean, if you're working in your office in a workspace with other people, uh, you're going to be thoughtful about that to be productive. So I'm glad that you mentioned this, Carson, of having a dedicated workplace and that you're set up to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so, Steve, how do you do it? I saw a glimpse of your office. How have you set up your office so that it supports your productivity? I, I love the idea of your uh, the different styles of people, but I like to have a clean workspace, but it's not always clean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you do you clean it off at the end of the day? I'm just curious. Well, now I'm, I'm, to figure out I'm really style. working on that. So I'm really working on going paperless. 
cleaning out everything I've had over the years and anything that's critical, I'm scanning, putting in my electronic files. And and this is, I've been doing this, working on it now for about uh, a year and a half. And then everything becomes electronic. So there's no paper. Uh, And and, uh, I really, and I easily can get to anything that's important. That's one of the blessings, I think, of the technology we have today. And and then doing some of the things you've talked about, uh, you know, th- uh, thinking about what matters most, my various roles in life, mm-hmm. and then uh, setting goals according for the week for each of those roles. So being thoughtful and then executing each day. So just like you said at the beginning of the day, taking time to focus on the bigger picture, but then narrow that down to the things that matter most and have a clear picture to get after them. Mm-hmm. And, and then you mm-hmm. just go to work. But I like your idea on the music and and uh, good thoughts on that. Okay, well, let's just sit back and think. Uh, I'm, I'm always amazed at how fast time goes in these interviews. And we're at the end of our interview. Any other final tips that you would like to give our listeners today that you think would help them in personal or professional productivity? I'll give two more. One, I'll just restate. I've said it a couple of times. There is no one size fits all. You have to personalize your productivity based on how you think and process information and then use tools that will support you. Okay. And then the second one, and I'm hearing more and more from our clients. So I want to really bring this one up is to make sure that when you work virtually, you take breaks. Uh, planners, you schedule them in, prioritizers, schedule them in, arrangers, they're with people, visualizers, they're with ideas, but breaks throughout the day are really important because we're human beings, right? We're not human doings. You can't just sit and grind it out. So make sure you're taking some breaks. Okay, good good stuff. And then not only that, today we have watches or rings or other things that, that can keep, hold, you know, keep you honest on whether you're taking your breaks or not. <laughs> exactly. So let the technology work for you there and tell you to get up and move. Oh, so fun to have Carson Tate with us today. Carson, how can people find out about what you're doing, about your resource? You've mentioned some of them during our show today, but let's just be sure we've got those uh, clear what's available to people. Sure. So our website WorkingSimply.com. You can take the productivity style assessment. We have a resource center that's got videos and articles that you can download. And then also follow me on LinkedIn. So the Carson Tate on LinkedIn, fresh content, fresh videos every week on productivity and staying engaged and motivated at work. Okay. Well, I can tell you are such a delightful person. We wish you and your family and dogs <laughs> All the best. <laughs> oh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a fun interview. And thanks for the tips and ideas and inspiration on productivity and, and ways to approach it and how to move the bar up. Great job. Thank you so much. And we wish you the best as you continue to make a difference in the in the world for good and blessing other lives. And to our listeners, uh, we wish each one of you the very best as you're working on these principles. You are touching people every single day. You're making a difference for good in the world. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? 
Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.